Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. If I am correct, this takes us up to episode 153. And as I've said a lot of times recently, I didn't know if I'd get past five episodes, 40 episodes, certainly not 100 episodes. So to be all the way up to 153, uh, it must be working for somebody because people keep listening. People are joining the the group coaching group, the Cool Things Project. And I get a lot of emails and tweets from people who say they like the show and they like the fact that we just have little one-on-one conversations. So to spice it up, today we're having a one-on-two conversation. So I have two, not one, two. This is a bonus episode, guys. Two entrepreneurs who are doing really cool things right here on the same show. So today we have Ryan Jeffrey and Armand Ghosh, and they have been working together for a long time. They've worked in behind the scenes at several major companies, and they've started several companies, and most recently they've started Eleven Ronin, and they are based out of Chicago, Illinois, where they claim it's 65 degrees today, although let's face it, it's February. I think they're making it up. I think it's like negative three, but uh, I can't complain because I'm in Austin, Texas, where it is 75 and sunny today, so that is fantastic. And what they do with their company is they take their ideas and other people's ideas and help put the ecosystem together to start and grow companies. And that's what a lot of us who listen to this show, that's what we're all about. It's, it's creating something new. So I would like to welcome Ryan and Armand to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks for coming, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So I did a little, little base overview, but I didn't really give a chance to tell anybody about your backgrounds or about your company. So why don't you guys share just for a minute who you are and what you do that's cool. Awesome. So... Uh, we uh, started a company called Eleven Ronin now in, in November of 2014. And um, like you had mentioned, we wanted to figure out a way that we could build a platform and an ecosystem that could create companies efficiently but in volume. Um, and so we took that idea and we kind of put it into action with some, some venture capital. And uh, we built an internal ecosystem that allows us to process our own ideas, uh, put them through a diligence process, build a product out of them, and go to market with them uh, in a very particular way. Uh, and then uh, find entrepreneurs in our network and outside to come and captain the ship and then uh, support them as they, as they grow. So in essence, we're building a portfolio of companies. We're trying to build a startup that builds startups. Um, but uh, it's a passion of ours. Ryan and I uh, have been working together for a couple years, but we've always been on the operator side, uh, being at the ground floor, trying to build things, and, and knowing that experience and the pains that we've uh, kind of had in doing it. We want to see if we can build a world where it's a little bit easier. So you've been doing this together for almost two years or a year and a half or something, but, but your bio said that you'd work together on, on other stuff. But before you sort of got into this sort of startup world, did either of you have like a, a real job out of college? Were either of you in the sort of the corporate grind? So I, I you know, I think I could speak for myself. Uh, me and Armand have actually been working together for the last five years at uh, various different companies. I worked in venture capital um, right out of school actually. And uh, so I was on the opposite side of the table as an entrepreneur and got to see that, uh, uh, that experience through a different lens and realized uh, 
while I was in venture capital, actually, the value of becoming an operator and getting experience from the ground floor and starting companies. And uh, fortunately, the, the venture capital firm that I was at, the model was not only to invest in companies, but also to start companies. And that's actually where uh, me and Armand started working together and collaborating on things and uh, started working at, uh, at Belly um, as two of the early founders there to uh, to build that company uh, from the ground floor, and uh, and so you know most of most of our career has been in startups uh, and either investing or or building them from the ground floor. So neither one of you are very old. I kind of looked at your bios and stuff like that. So were you entrepreneurs sort of out of the womb? I mean, some people tell me you know they had lemonade stands when they were four and they you know were selling T-shirts at twelve. Was this always something that you were doing, or is this something that sort of came along through college and sort of getting into that startup world right afterwards? Yeah, I mean, on my end, it was one of those things where you could probably ask my mom and she'll tell you the answer. So I was one of those kids who was constantly thinking about building something uh, and, and was entrepreneurial from, uh, from, from a very, very early uh, stage. And I think, you know, as time went on, I started to understand, you know, that inner desire I had to build something wasn't going to be scratched. So when you talked about, you know, have you worked in a big company, you know, I certainly after graduation – um, I, I tried to sit in a big company, but I felt like I was a bird in a cage and I just wasn't happy. Um, so knowing that growing up, I had this desire and then going to the job market and realizing that, you know, it's time to take a jump. I've tried the, the, the corporate side of the world. Now let's see if I can actually do it myself. It, it was something that I think was, it was destined in certain respects. So do you think that a lot of people sort of are destined for it and, and jump in for all the right reasons? Or do you think some people get into entrepreneurship for sort of the wrong reasons? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And I think that, um, you know, I think fundamentally behind entrepreneurship and starting companies, there needs to be a problem and there needs to be a problem that people are solving uh, and that you set out innately to, to solve that problem. Right. And, and I think that uh, lately, there's been so much press around startups that uh, scale and, and end up flipping or selling very quickly. And I think that when entrepreneurs get into it because it's sexy or because they think they can make a lot of money off of it in a short amount of time, they are doing it for the wrong reasons, right? So I think you know it is possible to fall into it uh, just because you are trying to solve a problem. I think some of the best entrepreneurs, you'd agree, um, or others would agree that uh, they do it not because of that fame or the sexiness around what they're doing, but rather because they're solving a problem and they don't necessarily consider themselves entrepreneurs from the very beginning. And I think that's an important distinction to make um, between people solving problems, building things, uh, and those that are getting into it just to uh, solve a sexy or get into a sexy industry and do something that's, that's uh, entrepreneurial uh, but not really solving problems. Well, I think you guys bring up really a really valuable point in that. And that is, you know, I'm a lot older than you guys. I, I probably could be your dad. And I, uh, in, you know, when I was young, I always had this desire to sort of do my own thing. I didn't know what that was going to look like, but I always wanted to do my own thing. And now for the last seven years, I've been working and I'm a solopreneur. I make most of my living as a, as a uh, professional master of ceremonies and keynote speaker. I do a little bit of consulting and coaching and I've sort of weaved this together. And I'm really excited that, you know, it took me until I was in my 40s to start, but I was able to build something that is exactly what I've always wanted to do. And recently I was at a cocktail party and I was talking to this very well-educated, very well-spoken young guy at this tech happy hour. We were having a conversation and I was telling him what I did. And in front of like four or five people, he goes, yeah, but you can't scale that. 
And I said, but do I have to scale it? And he said, well, I think to be a real entrepreneur, you have to scale it. Now, before I could even like pick my jaw up off the floor, the other three or four people in the conversation jumped all over him that, you know, that's not what it's about. It's about solving a problem and being able to create something. But I was really kind of dumbfounded that, you know, he thought in order for it to be a real business, it has to scale. And I thought, well, I mean, scaling is great. We all love the idea of, of something that grows large. But part of it is, are you happy? And I think I'm the happiest person I know because I'm doing exactly what I want to do. Well, kudos to that because I think that is the true source for a happy entrepreneur. You know, everything that you think about from an entrepreneurship side of things can be and, and is in certain respects supposed to be difficult, right? But the thing that really becomes uh, the driving force behind what you do is passion. And at the end of the day, accomplishment is felt by you feeling satisfied with what you do. And I think that's what the essence of entrepreneurism is. It's not necessarily like like it's been glorified these days, you know, how many commas you have in your bank account. And that's a very foolish way to even approach it because if you chase zeros, I think you'll, you'll arguably can end up being a zero. You've got to do it for the right reasons. Well, and I mean, money is great. And don't, don't get me wrong. I want more of it. But at the same time, yeah. I think that to be a successful entrepreneur, you nailed it. I think you have to have sort of that, that passion. So let's turn that around on you guys. What do you both love about the entrepreneurial life that you've created? Yeah, I think, you know, me and Armand are, are fairly aligned on this, too. I think, it's, I think it's being able to build something from the ground floor, right? I think it's being able to see the impact that you create from the very beginning with starting with literally an idea. And that's, that's kind of the, the emphasis of what we're doing here at 11 Ronin, too. And the genesis of all the things that we've done over our career is uh, being able to see the ideas that we have actually manifests itself into something that helps people or that uh, changes different industries or that provides technology in an antiquated uh, vertical that didn't have it before. And I think that uh, for us, being an entrepreneur um, and and building things and seeing it, the, the manifestation of that over time, that's what really intrigues us. That's what gets us motivated up in the morning. Uh, and I think that you have to have that uh, if you're pursuing anything. And it does start with that passion around, am I solving a problem that I want to solve for, uh, for the next 10, 20, uh, 50 years, however long it is? And you have to start with that. And that's something that we're extremely passionate about and motivated around. And I think the only other thing, too, to add to that is the, the identity of you know, a challenge. I think one thing that's fun about entrepreneurship is that you can, you can challenge things. And and, and with that, you're, you, you've got an intent behind why you're challenging it, and it's, it's hopefully to make things better, right? But uh, it, it's that waking up in the morning and knowing that anything that you do is not going to be easy, but the, the impact that you can create, well, well, that's change. And so for entrepreneurship, identifying challenges and being able to then put yourself to that, uh, uh, to, to actually execute it and make some impact. You know, I think that's also another driving force behind, you know, seeing the results of it as well. So let's face it, right? I mean, being an entrepreneur has a lot of things that's great, but you said it earlier that the media has sort of, you know, glorified it and made it seem like it's just the end all of end alls. Is there anything that you guys don't like so much? I mean, you both went to top colleges. You got to have a lot of friends who are working for sort of traditional jobs. Do you ever look at them and think, wow, that looks really good? You know what? I think the one thing that I would say is, you know, I will be an entrepreneur forever. Ryan will be an entrepreneur forever. forever. I feel like it's something that either you're born that way or when that bug bites you, you you'll stay that way. But 
you know, everyone has those moments where, where they're like, okay, what am I really doing? And, you know, when that comes in, I think those moments are always around that feeling that sometimes entrepreneurship can be lonely, right? You may be the only one who believes in what you do and you've got so much work to be able to make the rest of the world realize what you think is real, that uh, there are all those times where you have self-doubt. And I think in bigger companies, cushier companies, when you're, uh, when, when you're one with many supporting a vision, you've got you look to your left, you look to your right, you know, you, you've got people who are there with you. And I think at certain times, the one thing that I would say, which is a pro and a con, is that you know, the entrepreneurs will sometimes feel alone. And, uh, and that's the only thing that I sometimes look at. When I, when I wake up in the morning and I have a you know, a huge problem where no one actually agrees with me or no one sees what I'm seeing. And then, you know, I'm talking to my friends who are sitting at a, at a desk in a big job and, and they're saying, well, this is what my day was. You know, I did A, B, and C. It's consistent. It's clean. I, I clock out at 5.30 and I have a perfect work-life balance. And then tomorrow I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm thinking, oh, man, if I knew what I was doing tomorrow, that would be sometimes pretty refreshing on my end. Yeah, I think, I think to, to add to that, there – you know, to, to Armand's point, there's a lot of what we do that could crumble uh, in the next, you know, even tomorrow, right? I think that in startup, nothing is guaranteed. And when you're an entrepreneur, you're never sure what the next day is going to bring. And although that motivates at least us, for a lot of entrepreneurs, I think that can be humbling. And I think that is a difficult thing for a lot of entrepreneurs to, to deal with is that there is that up and down. Uh, there is that roller coaster ride that you're on. Uh, and it can sometimes feel if you're not on that roller coaster with the right advisors, with the right people um, going in the right what direction, then uh, it can feel like you're on a lonely island. And that's that's the one thing that I would say that uh, uh, you got to be tough and you have to have thick skin in this business to become uh, an entrepreneur and to be successful doing it. No, that's I mean, that is that is a real look at it because you are right. There are ups and there are downs. And I'm a solopreneur. So I have to go out and sell that people bring me in to be the master of ceremonies or the speaker. And then I have to go service it. So if I book a lot of business in the month of March, that's fantastic. And I'm on the road and I'm traveling and I'm speaking and that's fantastic. But then I'm not actually following up with people and doing the prospecting. And so the ups and downs are very clear based on how busy I get. Versus if I'm not paying attention to making sure I'm always taking care of that marketing, I can have hills and valleys. But then you bring up that that being all alone piece, and it just sort of makes me smile because I do find that it can get very, very lonely. And even if you're, you know, you've got a few people around you, sometimes if you're the person at the top, it, it's just lonely because you don't have any peers sort of at your own level. So how important do you think it is for entrepreneurs and especially people in startups who might be working alone or on very small teams, how important do you think it is for them to network within their industries? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that's key, right? I think that, I think you absolutely have to do that. I mean, there, there's a, there's a good uh, balance though of being able to network within your field and, and uh, feeling like you have others to turn to, to talk to versus concentrating on your product and your company and your business, right? I think both of those go hand in hand and you have to be able to, to balance that and make sure that you're surrounding yourself and networking with the right people that are able to uh, face or that have faced a lot of the same challenges and a lot of the same problems that you have. And that's why, you know, I think entrepreneurs, you know, all of our friends uh, and all the people that we hang out with on a daily basis or on the weekend, they're all entrepreneurs themselves because we surround ourselves with people that are going through similar things that have faced similar challenges to us. And I think that's really, really important to have that, uh, that system to rely on. And, and, and quite frankly, that is 
one of the reasons we started 11 Ronin was to be able to provide that ecosystem where entrepreneurs didn't feel like they were isolated on an island by themselves, but rather a part of something much bigger than themselves where they could rely on and talk to other people um, and network with other people that are doing similar things or in uh, facing similar challenges as, the, as themselves. No, I think yeah. that's right. I think it's actually a responsibility of an entrepreneur to 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 help uh, you know that fellow entrepreneur figure things out as well. It mutually bene- it's mutually beneficial on a number of levels. But you know, the one thing about an entrepreneurship is that it's an opportunity for everyone. But with that opportunity, I think also becomes comes a responsibility to stay uh, true to why you are an entrepreneur in the first place, which is you know to build something. And if you see someone else building something, you need to be supportive. And I think you talked about the glorification of entrepreneurship. You know there are there are the cons of it, but I think some of the pros that have come out from it are uh, that I think arguably to, uh, today is one of the you know the the best times to be an entrepreneur. And the number of entrepreneurs that are out there you know, could arguably be, you know, some of the, the, the biggest. And um, the support structures that are out there, sometimes self-created, sometimes uh, actually institutionalized, are there. And if you are an entrepreneur, uh, to better yourself, you can create a, 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 a network around you that really fuels you and motivates you and challenges you uh, because there's other people who want that as well. And I love your point about there's sort of a responsibility of the entrepreneur to sort of be there to help and, you know, be that support system for each other, because I've seen that to be true just in my own life. I mean, I got really involved in the National Speakers Association. And, yeah, you know, there's a lot of people who are in my business who I'm not friends with. But on the flip side, there are people I've met from getting involved with my you know, trade association where I've met people who face the same challenges, have very similar businesses, face the same ups and downs and the same loneliness. And at the same time, a lot of them are farther along than I am. And so they give me ideas on how to market and how to help. And every now and then I run into somebody, not just in my business, but in tech and everywhere else who, you know, they've scrapped their way up and they've done it with the help of other people. I mean, none of us really succeed alone. I mean, there's that, that image of the Lone Ranger, but always there's some team or there's some mentor or somebody who's helped people along. And then they get to the top and I, I talk to people all the time and they're like, oh, I am just too busy. Too many people want to pick my brain. I don't do lunches yeah. with any up and comers. And it's like, well, wait a minute. How did you get to the top of your food chain? Whatever that is. Did anyone ever take you to lunch? Well, but that's different. That was my you know, father-in-law or my mentor. It's like, I always think, no. Wait a minute. If you reach the top, you've got to have some sort of a way. And there's a guy here in Austin who uh, runs one of the, the sort of incubators who what he does is he does office hours. So anybody can get on Josh's calendar on Saturday. But the trick is you've got to come downtown on Saturday morning and you have to sign up in advance. But you can get 15 minutes on his calendar because he really believes if, if he just let people call to pick his brain, he'd be picked to death. But he doesn't want to shut that service that he can provide to somebody off. And I've always admired the fact that he makes people, you know, come to him. But, boy, you can get to him no matter who you are. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a really important thing for any entrepreneur of any stage, quite honestly, wherever they're at, is, is being able to make themselves available and know that uh, there are going to be people that help you out along the way that are going to lift you up. Um, and opening yourself up to having those conversations, even if you're a young startup, even if you're in the early stages of building your own business, uh, people want to learn from others and talk to others that are doing it. And I think that's a really good point that uh, if, if you can open yourself up to those conversations, only good things can happen uh, from that. Yeah. I'll also say the one thing that I've, that I've noticed is, you know, uh, as you get more and more successful, you think you're getting, you know, closer and closer to that top of the mountain, right? But uh, 
with entrepreneurship, the essence of it is that that mountain is something that will continually grow. And if you're at the top today, you won't be at the top tomorrow. And so it's not only the, you know, the value isn't only to uh, the, the younger entrepreneur learning from the older entrepreneur. It's also the fact that that older entrepreneur is learning from the younger in a certain respect, too, because the world is constantly evolving and changing. So though advice may seem very one way, uh, I would argue that it is actually two way and may be different in outcomes where the 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 learn uh, the 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 person who's learning from the older entrepreneur may get a lot of actionable advice. The on the other side of the table, though, that that mentor he he or she is learning a tremendous amount of what's to come, which I think is also very very important if you want to stay at the top of the mountain or nurture people to get to the top of the mountain as well. Well, and as we all know, sometimes you're at the top of the mountain, and not only does the mountain grow, but sometimes you fall. I mean, there's a lot of stories of people who reach the pinnacle of height only to turn around and get fired from the company they founded. And, you know, it's the old cliche that, you know, you better be nice to people on the way up because you're going to pass them on the way down. Yep, yep, absolutely. So, hey, I got a lot more questions for you guys. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with all the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly, they do all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Armand and Ryan. So if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do... Jump on over to podfly.net slash cool things and see the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So guys, what advice do you have for someone who might want to become an entrepreneur? So I have a daughter who's a freshman in college. She's in the business school at Carnegie Mellon. And let's say that, you know, she's thinking, wow, when I get out of school, you know, I want to, I want to go start my own thing and grow it. What would you tell her? Yeah, I, th- I think it comes down to to a couple things, and I think you know Armand may add to this or or expand on it. But I think it's you first have to take that 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 first step, um, and that's it's not an easy thing for a lot of entrepreneurs to do or a lot of people to do in general. And the reason why I say that is I've had plenty of conversations with people that have ideas, and I think ideas are a dime a dozen. I think you know you you can have the best idea in the world but if you don't take that first step to start talking to customers to go out there and test something to see if there's validation in the marketplace to build an mvp or find somebody that can help you build an mvp uh, you're not going to get any traction you're not going to go anywhere with it and i've seen so many people who have great ideas uh, and then 2 years later they don't do anything and somebody comes out with that same exact idea and revolutionizes a different space, right? And I think that taking that first step, actually going out there, and even if it's just having a conversation with a prospective buyer or somebody that's in your target audience and being able to get feedback from them of, would you buy this? Would you, what would you do to change the vision that I have? And having hundreds or dozens or hundreds of those conversations initially, that's the first step. But I think you have to do that in order to create any big business. And you look at the ones that are successful today. I saw something about Slack the other day where they spent six months in, in beta testing their product and getting feedback from customers. Uh, and, and I think there's a lot to that. I think there's a, a, a ton of or a significant amount of information that, be, that can be gleaned from talking to your customers and going there and taking that first step um, of, of actually getting it up and off the ground by talking to the right people and talking to your target audience. Yep. Uh, I, I would... I would say that what I think 
the essence of Ryan is uh, uh, what Ryan just said is that you have you have to be committed. You, you know, and it, committed doesn't necessarily mean quit your job and, and and do it full time, but you you have to be committed that you want to be an entrepreneur. And and I think with that, then if you've got that commitment in at whatever degree it is, the f- next step is to identify what the problem is that you want to solve. And, and if you truly identify that problem and, and with that process is talking to customers, going in and validating that this problem is real, and you start to match that with passion that this is something that you want to solve, well, you have everything at your fingertips now to actually execute and become a, a entrepreneur. The only thing you have to do then is, is take the risk. And so I think with that, risk is a very, very difficult thing to assess. Um, but it's something that can be uh, logically uh, understood. And, and different factors will influence it. But today, uh, if you commit yourself to understand what your risk appetite is and can tell yourself, I am ready to do this today or I am not ready to do this and don't get stuck in that gray area, I think you'll be able to then say I'm an entrepreneur or I'm not ready to be an entrepreneur. The worst is when Brian said, I think the best thing, you know, is, you know, you have an idea and then you, you, you keep it in your back pocket. But whenever I hear someone say, oh, yeah, I had that idea two years ago, I should have done it. Well, you shouldn't be saying that. You should either say I didn't want to do it because I couldn't do it or I did it and I failed or I did it and I succeeded. Awesome. So, guys, I call the show. Cool things entrepreneurs do. So what is the coolest thing you're doing with your company right now? So I think, I think the coolest thing that we're doing with our company is actually, you know, the, the essence of what we're trying to do. It's, it's, it's trying to build a better ecosystem to create companies where there's a lot of uphill battles any entrepreneur faces. But the ones that we know that I think can be addressed with a, a, a support structure um, that's focused around some of the elements we've incorporated in our business. So if we come up with an idea, we want to be able to say that we can take that idea to market, get a founding team and, a, and, and resources around it to excel, but then also you know, part the ocean for them and get them to go where they need to uh, with all the support that we can give them without any of the market kind of pushing them away or, or squeezing them out. Because um, we think that entrepreneurship is hard, but... This, it shouldn't be just hard. There should be ways that you can make it easier. So we would constantly be thinking about how do we empower the entrepreneur. And over time, I think we'll be able to perfect certain aspects of it. But honestly, if we can, if we can figure out a better equation to go to market with businesses quicker, with more quality, with more qualified people, you know, I think, uh, I think we, we will be onto something that you know, the rest of the entrepreneurship community can really look at and hopefully emulate as well. Yeah, I think there's I think there's a, a couple things that uh, to point out, and what Armand said is that what we're doing uh, in essence here at Eleven Ronin is we're tilting the pendulum back in the favor of the entrepreneur, uh, the entrepreneur that typically is on an isolated island uh, trying to solve these problems by him or herself, um, going through the motions and getting bogged down by a lot of the administrative. Um, or scaling aspects of, of starting a business, uh, that's where we come in and that's where we help. And we provide that ecosystem that, that again, tilts that pendulum back in the favor of the entrepreneur uh, so that 90% of startups don't fail. Uh, we want to make sure that we're providing and giving the resources, uh, the experience, um, the, the support uh, to these entrepreneurs so that they can succeed. And that's where we come in behind the scenes to help uh, uh, push them up give them a platform to succeed and make sure that they're 
giving that or getting everything that they need uh, in order to at least have a fighting chance uh, to uh, to scale and to grow. So one of the things I love to ask all of my guests before I let them go is who else do you see out there who's doing something cool? Because we could talk about Ryan and Armand all day long, and you guys are doing amazing things there in Chicago. However, I believe the best entrepreneurs are observers. So I love to ask, who do you see who's out there crushing it? So I, I think it's a good question. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to answer that uh, not with one specific company, but rather with an industry that I think is starting to really emerge and uh, we're going to see a lot more of this in the next five to ten years. But uh, what I think somebody coined, I read an article, but coined is conversational commerce. And I think th- this is a huge space right now that's really starting to emerge around uh, utilizing technology to uh, more efficiently get tasks done during the day so that uh, it frees up time to spend on things that are important. Uh, you look at uh, companies like Slack, um, you look at companies like WhatsApp, Facebook, um, you know, Amazon, even a lot of the bigger guys that are starting to do more of these things around conversational commerce, where you're able to converse with technology in a way that allows uh, people to get things done that generally took a lot of time and effort and resources. And I think there's going to be a lot of evolution around that in the next five to 10 years to make companies or make starting companies even easier um, to take a lot of that administrative stuff out of off of the plate of an entrepreneur uh, to make sure that they can concentrate on what matters, which is generating revenue, it's getting new customers, it's ensuring that churn is low, um, it's it's all the things that matter, focusing on product, those types of things, uh, while taking all the administrative things, again, off of their plate. And that's where we're going to see a lot of innovation. Uh, and I'm really excited about that space and how it's going to evolve here uh, in the next couple of years. Yeah, I think uh, on my end, something that I, that I really admire is people who take on uh, you know, challenges that are not sexy by any means. We have, uh, uh, we, we have a counterpart who is starting a business in the funeral space. His name's Alex Kruger. His company's name is Grace. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to figure out how to uh, take a, a, a experience and at that, you know, a, a process that's, that's very difficult and, and modernize it and, and provide a lot more support uh, that you know is is has been relatively untouched for the past fifty years. Uh, bring a lot more support to that uh, that transaction at, uh, in itself. So um, it's a very very you know uh, unsexy space to say the least, and people don't <laughs> want to think about it. But uh, the reality of it, and this is a you know very blunt reality, is that everyone's going to experience it, and everyone's going to be the source of the problem at one point in time. <laughs> We're all, we're all going to die. I, I know. All, we're all going to die. So if there's, if if you're going to pretend it's not going to happen, well, uh, you know, you've got some tricks up your sleeve that that I'd like to understand and know as well. But, well, I um, think we've just shocked the hell out of half of my listeners. They're like, "What? I'm going to die? Nobody no, told me that." No, what? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I do. Uh, I do commend him and, and what he's trying to do because it's it's a very it's a very difficult it's to be an entrepreneur, you know, in the first place, but to also build a business in this space. It's I think he's he's doing a great uh, job at, at trying to to really evolve something that uh, you know is difficult to do so. And then um, you know, tied to to some of the innovation side of things, I think there's a lot of traction going on uh, with with this education and being able to uh, influence new ways of learning. So you've got the Udemy's of the world, and you've got the Khan Academies of the world. 
And I think access to education is going to be critical for uh, global development. And I think with that, we're going to see a lot of cool tools and technology come out uh, that is going to support that ecosystem. And the smarter the world is, the better it is, hopefully. Hey, I I agree. Those are the things I like. I, I agree. Well, in addition to being great observers, I think that great entrepreneurs want to do more than just make money. I think they want to leave a mark. So I'm going to ask you, what is it that you guys do to give back to the greater good? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think the, fundamentally uh, what we believe in uh, is a philosophy of starting businesses that actually provide impact in the real world, right? And I think um, you know, the businesses that we create uh, and that we start or that we're looking at and that we help – um, are doing things that actually make the world a better place somehow. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody needs to go out and start a nonprofit tomorrow. I actually think that for-profit businesses can be the driver of social change and create or solve some of the problems that, uh, that, that affect society. And for us, it's about providing the experiences that we've learned along the way back to entrepreneurs that are going through those difficulties to make sure that they can overcome those problems uh, and, and solve their own problems uh, in a better way to somehow, some way, make the world a better place uh, through business and through uh, technology and through uh, a better way of doing things that uh, allows people to connect in different ways and solve problems in different ways. And uh, that's, that's innately you know, what we're trying to do through the ecosystem that, that we've built. And, and that's what we're really excited about. And on our end, I think one of the things is you know, we talked about the responsibility of being an entrepreneur. Uh, and and supporting other entrepreneurs, we, we do truly believe business can make uh, a positive impact on that world. So not only with the companies that we build, but you know, we we Ryan and I have a side passion project called Growth Panda, which connects nonprofits to companies uh, in, in a way that becomes mutually beneficial. So it's uh, something that we can you know start to bring together people from different walks of life, different skill sets, and, and, and try to make. You know, a global impact as a team versus as everyone being in their own silos, which, you know, I think moving forward, collaboration is going to be key. We've got, you know, like a lot of the stuff Ryan spoken about, you know, with uh, a lot of technology focused on social commerce. But, you know, today is a day where I can talk to my grandma in in India where, you know, only 20 years ago, you know, I I would have had to got a calling card and, and, and somehow tried to call her and maybe gotten a chance to speak to her. And, and today I could see her on video, you know. So with that, I think um, the, the globalization of not only business, but also the way you can attack the world's problems uh, as a collective from anywhere in the world. I think, you know, it's a responsibility that everyone should see if they can take on as well. It's a personal one, but we do it through a mechanism called Growth Panda. We're tr- constantly trying to figure out, you know, ways that we can share our skills in, pla- in places that, we're not necessarily very comfortable with it or no, but, uh, you know, hopefully with these uh, diverse backgrounds, you know, uh, the, the real impact that can come out of it, you know, is a good one. Well, and, and you must be a good grandson if you, if you Skype your grandma, so that's good. Well, it's, uh, I mean, Skype's tough. You know, <laughs> my grandma, you know, she, she kind of likes it, but it's, it's not necessarily the easiest either yet. So there's opportunity there as well. Grandma's, well Skype for grandmas. That should be a new app. Scott, there you go. Well, when, when my dad was still alive, he passed away two years ago. He was 99 years old. And in the home where he lived, there was a computer and he liked to go check his stocks. And he would get anywhere on the internet and he would say, oh, I pulled this up on the Google. And I'm like, dad, that's not Google. <laughs> you know, he looked at my website because I wanted to show him like the videos of me speaking to like really big audiences. And 
he was like, wow, you're really good. And, and how did you get on the Google? And I'm like, well, <laughs> it's my website that I use to advertise on the internet. And somehow he thought I was famous that they picked me to be on the Google. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> So, you know, you talk about this, about, you know, companies being able to make an in- impact and, and doing things that change the world. And, and you really kind of hit a core of mine and people who listen regularly know that I'm really passionate about the fact that whether it's you as an individual or you as a startup, you don't have to wait till you're wildly successful to find a way to give back. That, you know, oftentimes people look at Bill Gates or, or Warren Buffett or, or Zuckerberg and they say, wow, you know, if I make billions of dollars, I'm going to give away half of it like they have and, and all this stuff. But the reality is, is that any, any of us can start doing little things now. And I actually call it compounded generosity. You know, they teach the younger generation, start saving for retirement when you're in your 20s and you'll retire with this big, big pot of gold, this big pot of money because of the magic of compounded interest. You just do a little and it grows over time. But the same thing is true for giving back, for touching the community. And so I call it compounded generosity, that you just have to give a little bit of time, a little bit of money, or or a little bit of support to any cause or a series of causes. But if you do it consistently over time, all of a sudden you turn around and you say, how how did that happen? So I'm going to talk about this right now because this is – you guys are on the last episode of February. And for nine years now, my family has hosted a fundraiser every February where we ask our friends and people from social media – and the listeners of this show to go over to compoundedgenerosity.com and give to what we call the Kate Singer Endowment for Cranial Facial Research. So our daughter was born with, with a problem where they had to rebuild her entire skull when she was six months old, and they had to take out all the bones on top and sort of reposition them, and, and then the way they described it was then they hoped they would all grow back. Well, you kind of want bones over your brain, so that was – we're really fortunate. It worked out the way they had hoped. But it was really scary at the time. And we got through the other side, and today she's 14, and she's beautiful, and she's smart, and she's, you know, she's an actress, and she's cunning, and she's really cute and cool to be around. But I will tell you, at the time, it was really scary to hand your kid over for a three-hour surgery where they would remove her skull. And now we help raise money for research for kids born with cranial facial issues that need surgery. And we do that through the Dell Children's Hospital in Austin, which didn't exist when Kate was born, so we had to travel. And we do it through the Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego. But I'm not rich. I can't give $50,000 in one full swoop. But over the last eight or nine years, every time I give a speech, we give a little teeny piece of it to these two funds that we start at these hospitals. And it's almost $60,000 between what we've given and what we've raised in the month of February over the last several years. So I get really excited when people talk about the fact that, you know, you just build it into the way you do business. It's just part of my business that I give a little bit to this charity. And so I always try to encourage people, you know, and I'm glad to hear you guys talk about it, you know, at your young ages and at the early stages of your career, that you can make a difference and it should be part of the way you do business. Honestly, it's it, it, you, you said it best. It, it, and, and, you know, the little things make it a habit, too. And I think you, you want this to be ingrained in everything that you do. Um, and, and little and big donations, they're always great. Little and, and lots of time that's, that, that's, that's donated, those are always fantastic. But it should be something that you think about every day in any way that you can. And I think that the, the, the compounded aspect of what you're speaking about, it, it's a really, really, really good way to look at it because it's the little things that do matter. And, and hopefully that change is also infectious where, um, you know, if everyone started thinking about it in the same light, I think you'd be able to see, you know, a, a, a big, big difference 
uh, with people just doing it on their own accord. And I don't think that it has to be uh, necessarily just through money either, right? You mentioned it. I think that uh, it can be done in a number of different ways. And even if you don't have a lot of money, like quite honestly, a lot of entrepreneurs that don't have a ton of money right now, um, or early on in their career, you can still do it through time. You can do it by talking about it. You can do it by spreading the word. Yeah, good and vibes. Good vibes go a long way. Yeah, good vibes to a charity go a long way. And if you have a startup that you know is going to scale, we talked earlier that not all businesses have to become multi-million dollar businesses. But if you yep. do, early on, you could donate one percent of your stock, you know, yep. to a to a charitable fund. That as your company grows, if you have an exit event in in Austin, we have the Entrepreneurs Foundation, and they take grants of like a half percent or one percent of stock and if a company is fortunate enough to have an exit all of a sudden that can be hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars that really they can then choose where those dollars go that's really fantastic but it's you have to think about it early and you have to do it consistently in order to make it have that value on the other side yeah i I absolutely i think we, we both agree on this side as well and i think it's an amazing time that we live in too where uh, in the time that we're talking about it, you know, we're able to go on and provide a donation to that uh, to the cause, and uh, just talking about it hopefully will spur additional people that will do the same. And I think uh, you can do that in any business endeavor that you have. Again, nonprofit or for profit, there's that ability to do things that uh, that impact and provide a substantial um, uh, relief or impact to others. And I think that's really important for people to think about early on. And one thing I will just add is that it's easy to talk about. And it's very easy uh, to think about. But uh, at the end of the day, all that matters is, that, and is, as, is action. So, like, you know, just as an entrepreneur, when you go to a boardroom and your board uh, says, okay, what are the results? What are you going to do? Give me firm next steps and then say that you did it. You know, this is one of those cases where I think everyone should also challenge themselves so that, you know, whether it's today or it's, you know, right now, you just say, I'm going to do this and check this off. Uh, don't put it back and don't don't forget about it because um, you know that 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 won't that won't necessarily make the change that you want and and don't let this be a good idea. Let it be something that you can actually say you did something. Well, and so many people who we run into, they, they say they're going to do something like, oh, I'm going to jump over to compoundedgenerosity.com and, and support Tom's fundraiser. And then they get busy when they get on their own life. And, and it's not that they didn't have the intention to do it. It's that intentions only go so far. We have to take those actions. So I always say that I love it when I run into people who have follow through DNA because it's just a part of them when they decide they're going to do something. They just do it. Yep. So, and I'm, I'm kind of excited. One more thing about compounded generosity, since we brought it up, uh, I actually have been asked to do a TEDx talk later this year on compounded generosity. So, uh, it's a little That's nervous. Awesome. Yeah, it's a little nerve wracking to actually go and do a TEDx. But uh, if, it, if it goes well, maybe there'll be a video and, and, and we'll be able to share that next year. But later on That's in May. That's a deal. Congrats. Yeah, yeah I'm real, I, in fact, I don't think I've said that publicly before. So, yes, I get to do a TEDx later this year. So, that's kind of cool. All right. We'll look forward to seeing it. Well, that's right. Well, guys, I want to thank you, Ryan Jeffrey and Armand Ghosh, for being guests on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. If somebody listened to this show and they said, yeah, these guys are cool, I got to find them. Where do they go to learn more about, you know, Eleven Ronin or about Ryan or Armand? Yeah, so I think the the best way to get a hold of us, I mean, we're uh, we're obviously on Twitter and uh, Facebook and all those other good things, but uh, we respond to email all the time. And uh, uh, the best way is just Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at Ronin.com. That's R-O-N-I-I-N.com. Uh, and then Armand, A-R-M-A-N, at Ronin.com as well. 
Well, this was great. And you guys were awesome. And, 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 you know, I would love to look 50 years in the future to see all the great things that you guys are going to do because you are doing cool things. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode. It's been a lot of fun. As always, it's a journey where we're always learning from entrepreneurs who are doing cool things. We're going to be back in a couple of days. First of March, we're going to be back with another episode where we are going to interview somebody just as cool as Armand and Ryan. But in the meantime, I want you to go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.